Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey everyone, welcome to New Beginnings Church Online this weekend. We're so blessed that you're able to connect with us and, and uh, giving me the opportunity to be able to speak to you about a subject that I believe is extremely, extremely important, a subject that I believe is extremely relevant to the time and the season that we're in. It's, it's a serious message. It's a sobering message, but it's a message that's going to equip us and going to empower us from this point forward. Um, a message is going to have to be applied by each and every one of us if we're going to see ourselves come, I don't even want to use the word come through this season because I believe we're in a different season. I was reading an article recently about church life, about uh, how, it, how church has been affected uh, in this season. And the person made a statement that was extremely impacting to me. Uh, he said that most churches are looking at the COVID crisis, this lockdown, this whole what I call craziness, as an interruption, when in actuality, it's a disruption. Uh, life has been disrupted. It, it, uh, interruption seems to suggest that it's a temporary time frame and everything's going to go right back to the way it was. I don't believe that that's the case. I don't believe that everything is just going to go uh, rewind and we're going to pick up from uh, the weekend of March 15th, let's say. Um, the subject that I'm covering this weekend is the subject of authority, specifically the authority of the believer. Now, some of you may remember, and you can go and check the archives, that at the very beginning of this year, right in the middle of January, I taught a series on authority. Um, I'm calling this Authority 2020, The Sequel, okay? And there's a subtitle to this message that you'll understand more next weekend. And that subtitle is, Who is Really Running the Show? I want you to, to hold on to that. Who is really running the show? Um, I first introduced this, like I said, back in the beginning of this year. And to be brutally honest with you, and to be very transparent, um, for the past few years, I have had this sense on the inside that something monumental was coming, that, that there was something, uh, there was just something in my spiritual gut that was telling me to prepare, to, to prepare, get ready, get, line up, get, get things in order, uh, because something's coming, something monumental, something unprecedented, something that we had never experienced before. Of course, I didn't have, I couldn't never imagine that it would be something that we're facing right now. Um, but I just knew on the inside, and I know I'm not the only person. Uh, I know there were many, 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 many other believers, many other pastors, ministers that were having that same sense that something was coming. And, and it should be that way because Jesus told us and, and, and recorded for us in the Gospel of John, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. He shows us things to come. Sometimes it's a picture. Sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it has some detail. Other times it's just a sense on the inside of, uh, of uh, anticipation and expectation. Um, 
I need to take a little side journey here. And I, and I, I just pray that, that this weekend you will really take this message to heart and allow me to have the freedom to develop this message from a, from a foundational aspect this weekend. And then over the next few weekends, uh, bringing uh, more clarity and more detail and putting a little bit more meat on the bones. But just as a side note, I want you to consider something. And I want you to think about your life and think about your, your um, track record with God, this journey that you have been on. Many of us have sold ourselves short in the area of the supernatural and the prophetic nature that is inherent in us as believers. By nature, because we are children of God, members of the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, we have a supernatural uh, aspect to us. It should not be considered foreign or um, weird, uh, although God calls us a peculiar people. It, we are naturally supernatural by nature. When you and I were born again, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of us. The Spirit of God is the power of God. The Spirit of God is the moving force in the kingdom of God. And He is a person, not a thing. And He lives in us. And you're going to be hearing more and more about that as we go along. Um, we have power and ability deposited in us that needs to come forth in this season now more than ever. Now listen, I would love to be teaching the flowery, cutesy, uh, motivational, inspirational messages. But right now, we need the weapons of our warfare to be very much uh, alive and active in us and through us to a world that, that is lost right now and is losing their minds. The lost, your loved ones who don't know Jesus yet, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, they're looking to you to provide them with something supernatural in a season of life that none of us have experienced before. That power was deposited in you when the Holy Spirit came to live inside you when you were born again. Jesus said something in the Gospel of Luke that is very revealing, very telling, and most of the time his statement just, just flies over our head because it just, it, it's, it just appears to come out of nowhere. Listen to this statement that's recorded for us in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 28. Jesus is in the middle of a conversation, and he says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I don't know if you caught that. I'm going to read it again. For, for, he said, among those born of women, he said, from, from the time that men have been born from women, from, in other words, from the very beginning, John the Baptist is the greatest of the Old Testament, of that period. He's saying, but he now in this new dispensation, in this new period of time called the church age, he, he is saying that the least person in that kingdom in this kingdom, in this time period. In other words, from the time that John the Baptist went to heaven, from the time that Jesus went to the cross, died, rose again, from that time period, he's saying that the least person in the church age is greater than the one who was the greatest of the time period before that. And that statement just goes poof, just right over our heads. What's he saying here? He's saying there's a difference between the species of man 
in the church age than the Old Testament age. John the Baptist was a prophet that operated under the Old Testament. And Jesus said, in the, under the dispensation of the Old Testament, John's the greatest person that was ever born. But then he went on to say that in the New Covenant, the least individual in the church age would be greater than John. I don't believe we've grasped that. I don't believe we've been walking in the reality of that statement. See, under the Old Testament, men and women could experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we're not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about introducing a brand new species on the earth, one that had not been seen since the time of Adam and Eve. That is a species of the spirit-filled human being, a flesh and blood and bone person possessing the spirit of the living God in them, not just on them. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on the prophet, on the king, the priest, on an individual to perform a specific duty or an accomplishment, to win a battle, to, to hear from God to give a prophecy. But then once that was accomplished, the Spirit of God departed from the individual. He didn't reside in them. But now, the least person in the New Testament has the Holy Spirit living in them. The power of God abides in us. And whether we use that power or not is up to us, but we all have him living in us, ready to take hold together against the devices of the enemy. We're going to be talking about Romans chapter 8, verse 26 in the future. Uh, I don't want to go into it right now. I want to lay the foundation today. But Romans 8, 26 says specifically that the Holy Spirit is the one who takes hold together with us against. And that is very unique from the Old Testament experience. Jesus is counting on us to release that power and not keep it on a shelf like a trophy somewhere, but to get it working like a weapon of mass destruction against the kingdom of darkness. That's how serious this message is. Jesus is counting on you, and Jesus is counting on me to release what has been deposited on the inside of us. And my God, if there's ever been a time that we need to join, join in a partnership with the Holy Spirit, He empowering our prayers, our words that we speak, coming together in a partnership to come against the evil one, to come against the kingdom of darkness. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. And he said to them, to the disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe? Are you a believer? If you're a believer, then Jesus said, these signs are going to follow you, not him, you and me. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by, by, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And look at verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. This is so important. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. You and I are supposed to be going about our daily business 
We're supposed to be preaching the gospel, whether we're doing it by example or doing it with our words or by our actions of love or whatever. And, and, and Jesus is saying, when you do that, I will work with you. Well, how? Jesus is in heaven. By the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, he takes hold together with us against, against sickness, against poverty, against oppression, against oppression, against injustice. That power is in you. He's waiting to do the same thing in this generation. They went and they preached and Jesus confirmed everything they said with signs and wonders and miracles. What is that? Supernatural. Just get a hold of this saying. I pray that, that it just keeps rolling around inside you. We are naturally supernatural. It is who we are. It is the species that you and I morphed into, if I could put it that way, when you and I got born again and the Holy Spirit came to live in me. He's waiting to do the same thing in this generation. He's waiting for somebody to go preach, to go minister, to go preel, to go pray, to heal, to deliver, so that he can confirm your words and your actions with demonstrations of power through the church. You are the church. You've already proven if this season has proven anything, it's proven this. The church didn't roll over and die because the building got closed. The church now is more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness than it ever has been because we're not locked in a building anymore. We're all over the place. We're all over the internet. We, the church, the body of Christ, must step up in a way that allows God to have a voice on the earth like never before. It's our duty. It's our heritage. We must... It, it, it must be our response to the chaos and turmoil that's trying to establish itself as a new normal. Evil, injustice, deception, disease, destruction cannot go unhindered, unrestrained, not while the church is still on the scene. I want you to pay spe special attention to that word unrestrained. The darkness and the enemy cannot go unrestrained as long as the church is here on the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to see a concept here. Now, brethren, starting in verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, so we know that that's the topic, and, and our gathering together with him, Paul, Paul is saying, what I'm about to reveal to you pertains to the second coming of Jesus and the church being caught up. My brothers and sisters, everyone who's watching this, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand. We are in those days right now when at any moment the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can be caught up off of this earth. Listen to the rest of the scripture. I'm going to start again from the beginning. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us. You see, they, the Thessalonians had received letters claiming that the rapture had already taken place, Jesus had already returned. It was just all a bunch of nonsense because it couldn't happen back then. And Paul's writing this letter to correct wrong teaching that had caused the church in Thessalonica to panic. They thought they had missed it. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of, of the Lord, the day of his second coming, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, that's talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God 
or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. That event is in our future. There is coming a day, and it could be very soon, that this person, this antichrist, this, this, this person who is determined to be contrary to God and to Christ himself will walk into the newly built temple in Jerusalem and declare himself to be God. Now, Paul understood that that was for the future. We understand that it's in our future. It's a very good possibility within our generation. Verse 5 says, do you not remember? And here's where, here's where it gets really, really important for you to listen because this is, this is pertaining to the message now. Do you, Paul's saying, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Paul is saying there is, there is a, an entity on the earth that is restraining this Antichrist from having free reign to do whatever he wants. That he's going to be revealed in his own time. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, listen, listen now, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. He's talking about the events of the very last of the last days, when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. In fact, it tells us in the original Greek, when Jesus comes with a puff, this is how powerful he is, with a puff of his breath, he's going to destroy this evil one. It is not going to be a battle whatsoever. With one puff, he's going to destroy this evil one. But watch this now. Paul says there's something that's restraining that force from coming forth. There's something that's restraining this evil one. And that restrainer is the church. As long as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ the temple of the Holy Ghost is on this earth. Evil cannot have its own way. The church is the restrainer. Sacred scripture states that the son of perdition, the son of hell, the son of damnation, the Antichrist, cannot have his full way until the church is removed from the earth, until the church is raptured taken up in a very supernatural, spectacular, never-before-seen, totally unprecedented event, which is going to happen in our near future. The Holy Spirit says to you, the church, that you have the power to restrain evil. But you might be saying, all right, Pastor, you got my attention now. Let's, let's talk about this. Good. I'm glad. Because it's all about authority. It's all about power. The battle from the beginning has always been between lies and truth. And both lies and truth are released with words. So we could say it this way, that the battle of the angels is fought with words. Okay? Listen to me and listen to me closely. Because every single human being on this earth that's ever been born, is living now, ever will be born, uses words. Words, whether they're in written form, whether they're spoken, words are containers that possess power. They are seeds carrying either lies or truth. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What do you love? There are major, major groups of people right now that love death and are speaking death, are determined to give action and power to death through their words. We'll talk more about it. There are those of us that love life, and therefore we are to speak words of life, empowering life to come into individuals, into circumstances. Now listen, mankind, saved or unsaved, both have the authority to speak words that are going to bring either death or life into being. We have been created to speak with authority. Yet the first thing that sin did was to thrust man into intimidation, into fear, hoping to neutralize that authority. You and I, it's very difficult for you and I to speak from a position of authority when we feel undermined, intimidated. When we feel like we're not worthy or feel like we're powerless or feel like, who am I? That's what sin did to mankind. It robbed us of our sense of authority. What does it mean to have authority? What is authority? Authority, we could say authority is a person who is accepted as an expert because of information that they've gathered. Authority is, is the ability to influence or persuade, uh, which is resulting from knowledge and experience. Authority is a right conferred by someone on another individual, the right to take control in a situation. <laughs> that, that's the church right now. You and I have been empowered. You and I have been raised up for such a time as this to take control in this situation. Power, give, power to give commands. Power to enforce a right action. Power to make right decisions. We have been authorized by Jesus Christ, the head of the church, He's given us his authority. In our case, our authority is based on the relationship that Jesus brought us back into with God the Father. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. This is Matthew's version of Mark 16 that we read a few minutes ago. And this is what he said to the disciples. This is after the resurrection. This is before he sends into heaven. He said to the disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, or, or we could say, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. You know, it said, that the first thing that Jesus is going to ask us to church was what we did with the last thing he spoke to us before he ascended into heaven. Let me give you Joe's paraphrase of Matthew 28. Since I've accomplished all that I, I have now, all authority has been entrusted to me by the Father. It's Jesus speaking. Based on my authority, I release you and authorize you to operate as representatives on the earth of the realm of the kingdom of God. Use that authority to go and bring my gospel to all nations. Baptize them, teach them, disciple them so that they will operate in the same authority I had given to you. The authority that you and I operate 
has been passed down to us by succession from Jesus to the original disciples and apostles and down through the church age to every born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does that authority come from? How do we get this authority? Well, we, we got it from the Lord Jesus, but it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, men and women, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You and I have authority over creeps. God created us to have dominion, to have lordship over all creation. Now, lordship with a little l. We have lordship over all creation, both good and bad. We have dominion and authority, yes, even over viruses. They must respond to words spoken in faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about that in the future. We live on a planet that has been handed over by a traitor to a rebel thousands of years ago. When Adam turned on God and turned against God and decided to listen to the words of the enemy, he legally, legally handed over. The, 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 the ownership, the lordship, the dominion of the earth, he took and handed it to Satan, a rebel. We as born-again children of God, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are in fact the counter-revolutionary force operating behind, behind the enemy lines here, operating on this planet to enforce the kingdom of God on a planet that was given to a, a rebel. Now, consider this. Without believers operating on the earth on behalf of God, there would be no force restraining the kingdom of darkness. And that is what the enemy wants above all things. He could not take control of heaven. He's cast to the earth. And he has been trying ever since to gain lordship, to gain authority, over mankind on the earth, Adam temporarily gave it to him. But the lease is running out. His time is short. And that's why we see the violence, the degradation, the filthiness, all of the garbage of the kingdom of darkness manifesting on the earth right now. Remember, we are the restrainers. The enemy can go so far and that's it. As long as you and I step up and use our authority, not in arrogance, not with pride, not boastfully, but with humility, understanding that Jesus sacrificed his life, suffered a horrible death so that you and I could walk and operate in that kind of authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, both symbolic of demons and the devil, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As we continue in this series, we're going to go behind the scenes and see who is really calling the shots here on earth. And it's not what you think. We're not talking about natural individuals. We're talking about principles in the kingdom, in the spirit. 
We're going to draw back the curtain and see who the true ruling force is supposed to be. And I promise you, it's going to be an eye opener. It's going to empower us to step up and to peel back every hindrance and remove every intimidating factor in our lives so that we can be the force on earth that God designed us to be, that God designed Adam to be, and every one of us born since that time. So, so let's understand what we've covered so far. When I became born again, my spirit, which was dead, came to life inside me and became connected to God Almighty, the source of all true power. From that point forward, it's up to me and it's up to you to choose to operate in that authority. And either the devil will have his way or the will of God will be enforced on the earth through my life and your life. But it all starts with being born again. We are all born once, naturally speaking. But we must be born again a second time. We must be born spiritually, not just naturally. We're not just coming from the womb of a woman. We must come from the womb of the Holy Spirit being born spiritually into a, a whole different realm than that which is here on the earth. The truth is we're all born sinners, every one of us. It comes natural to us to sin. When we come to that place of admitting that we are sinners with no way of getting into heaven on our own, when we are willing to place our faith in Jesus Christ and the fact that he died in my place, he took the punishment that I deserved. When I came to that place to understand and realize he died for me. God in heaven received the, the, the brutal execution of his son as payment for my sin and for your sin because somebody had to pay for that sin. He took the punishment that I deserved. And when I declared my faith in Jesus Christ, when I spoke with my mouth what I believed in my heart, I became born again. Those of you that went through, the, that you've already experienced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm speaking to those, right? I'm speaking to you right now who have never experienced being born again. Yeah, you might know about Jesus. I knew about Jesus. You might know a little bit about church. You might know a little bit about religion. But he wasn't real to me until the day that I said, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I can't get out from under this sin without your help. So I reached out to him. And I spoke with my mouth when I believed in my heart that I believed that Jesus is the son of God. I believed that he came to the earth and died on the cross for my for my sin, in my place. I believe that God raised him from the dead and that he's alive. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, waiting for you to make that declaration of your faith in him as Savior and as Lord. When we do that, our spirit, which was dead, comes alive. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And we are no longer mere mortals. We become naturally supernatural. And we will live forever in his presence. How does this happen? Very simple. It's about words. I talked about this in the beginning of the message, that the battle of life is a battle of words. With your words, 
you are condemned with your words, you are justified. And when we speak words, something like this, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in who you are. And I'm going to make a declaration of faith. And I want to lead you in that declaration of faith. If you are not yet born again, if you are not sure that if you were to take your last breath today, that you would be in heaven eternally in the presence of God. If you're not sure of that, please, please, I beg you, say this prayer from your heart. Say this with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross all those years ago and took my place and took my punishment that I died, that I deserved. I should have gone to that cross. But Father, you received Jesus' death as if it was my own. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe he's alive right now. So Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me a child of God. I believe that I am now born again. My spirit is alive unto God. I am connected to Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to pray that prayer with you. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today about this very serious subject of our authority. Please, please, please share this message with two or three friends. Please make sure that you stay connected with us so that next weekend uh, you, can, you, can, you can listen to the second part, that you can join me next weekend and we can continue this study in the Word of God and, and receive power from the Holy Spirit to step up and be active and be efficient and effective in taking your place to restrain evil, to restrain the kingdom of darkness, to hold it back so that it doesn't affect your life, your marriage, your family, your job, your finances, your health. And that will be a force for good here on this earth. Before I go, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. To all those of you that are faithful, consistent supporters, your faithful giving is causing us to be able to reach thousands every week across this region, across the Jersey Shore, but even, even more so across this nation. We're hearing reports of people watching our, our, our broadcasts from all over the country, and not just one or two people, hundreds, and you're helping that happen. You're helping us feed hundreds of, of families every week through our drive-up food pantry in, in Brick and in Bayville and Wall Township. Thank you for helping us to feed and to, and to take the burden off of these families that have all of a sudden out of nowhere been thrust into unemployment and, uh, and finances are not coming in and, and there's no food in the house. You are helping us make that happen right here, not overseas somewhere, right here. Some of those people could be your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors. And your faithful giving every week, consistent giving, is helping us to feed those families. I want to pray a blessing over every household before we go. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord protect and defend you. May you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I declare that no weapon formed against you or your household can prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Stay connected. We'll see you again next weekend. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.